Kerin. To on mamu Petros esti? Legete elenisti? Uh, English? Well, you're on the Galilean seafront. I should expect you to be able to speak the lingua franca. Okay, well, English is fine. My name's Peter. You might have heard of me before. I've been in the band that's been going around the country recently. Jesus's band, you've heard about us? I'm just uh, sat here on the beach having a having a barbecue, a fire with some friends, just keeping warm. And I wondered if I could tell you guys a story. You see, it was about a week ago that I was sat by another fire keeping warm. But that story fills me with shame, fills me with regret, but I've learned something really profound through it, and I want to tell you guys the story so you don't make the same mistake that I did. So my name's Peter, and everyone says that I'm a bit of a loose wire. I'm a bit of a spark. I don't know what a wire is, or sparks. <laughs> but I tend to be a bit enthusiastic, you know? Now, a few years ago, I met this guy called Jesus, and he called me to be one of his followers, and boy, I was enthusiastic. See, I came to think that this guy was the Messiah, the one that we had all been waiting for, and so I was very much involved with his group. I tried to get into the top positions amongst the disciples, and I think I made it into the inner circle. See, I took Jesus seriously, more seriously than other people, and so he trusted me. And about a week ago, we'd been in Jerusalem, and it seems that Jesus was just trying to make trouble with everyone. He was going into the temple, and he cleared it all out. He, he basically just picked a fight with anyone who tried to speak to him. And so we, we witnessed all these things. And I have to say, I thought this guy was the Messiah, so I was getting very excited. You know, come on, let's see the conflict. Let's see the army arrive. And then one day, Jesus says to us, just, just me and John. See, I felt very, very special. He sent us to go ahead into Jerusalem and to prepare the Passover. The Messiah asked me and John to go and prepare the Passover. He clearly thought I was in. He clearly thought I was trustworthy. He clearly thought that I was the real deal. So I very excitedly got the donkey prepared. You know, we went into this small upper room. We prepared it, had all of it laid out. And the day came. And there we all were, sat around the table, reclining, eating our Passover food. And Jesus was doing some wonderful things, and uh, you'll hear about that another time. But he broke the bread, and he shared the wine, and he said some things. And then he said, one of you here, one of you is going to betray me. Obviously, not me. I mean, we all know it's not me, right? If anyone was going to betray me, it would be, uh, betray Jesus, it would be anyone other than me, because everyone knows I am the one who is fully on board with Jesus. I'm the one who would do anything for Jesus. And so people started talking about who it might be, who it might be. And see, Jesus has taught me a lot of things, but this is one little tool that he didn't teach me, deflection. So I said, hey guys, who amongst us do you reckon is the greatest? Because here's the thing, everyone knows it's me. 
everyone knows I'm the one who's the most important. So if I get that little conversation going, no one's going to have their eyes on me because everyone knows I'm the greatest other than Jesus. Now, as we're having this conversation, which I thought was very sensible, very fair, you know, a good way of not pointing the finger at me as the one who's going to betray Jesus, Jesus gets involved, and I know what he's going to say. It's obviously Peter. Except he didn't say that. He said, why on earth are you having this discussion amongst yourselves? And he used it as an opportunity to tell me off. So I wasn't very happy about that one. But anyway, there we were, thinking about who's going to be the one that betrays him. Obviously not me. We all know it's not me. And Jesus turns to me and he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. I felt all the blood leave my face. I went white as a ghost. I felt on the spot. Satan has asked to sift me like wheat. Because I knew Satan knows I'm a big deal. If he wants to get to Jesus, he has to come to me. Thank you, Lord. I'll take the compliment. But then he said, but I have prayed for you that your faith will be strong and that after you've betrayed me that you can be restored to your brothers. And I think, after? Restored? You've prayed for me. Look, I, look, I appreciate the gesture. I really appreciate you praying for me. But honestly, that's not necessary. I'd like to see Satan try. Me? Come on. It's always going to be one of the others. So anyway, I was a bit annoyed about that, but it's fine. You know, Jesus makes mistakes. So we went on from there. And I kind of had that in the back of my mind. You know, Satan's asked to sift you like wheat. And so I thought, well, clearly Jesus thinks there's something off about me, which there isn't. But clearly he thinks there is. So what I'll do is I'll put the extra effort in, like I've been doing for the last few years. But this is like the extra, extra effort. And I'll really show him that I'm really involved, that I'm really on board, that I really do believe he's the Messiah. So he takes us to this, uh, this garden called Gethsemane. And he says, I'm going to go and pray now. And some of us come with him. I'm in the game. Hmm? He says, you just wait here. I'm only going about a stone's throw away. I'm going to pray. Do not fall asleep. So I thought, easy. If that's all I need to do to prove, yeah, prove my credentials, that's fine. I'll pray. In fact, I'm going to pray with my eyes closed, on my knees, hands together, you know, really get the posture in, just so when Jesus comes back, he, uh, you know, finds me. So there I was, like this, you know, just, Jesus, and then, so slowly, you know, I'll pray like this, a bit more holy, and then, you know, eventually it was kind of like this. So, so Jesus comes back, obviously, and he shakes me away. What are you doing? Uh, uh, sorry, Lord, I was, I was just praying. Uh, sorry, that was just my prayer stance. I was really feeling it, you know. I was just lying down and uh, falling asleep. What did I tell you? Don't fall asleep. So at this point, I'm feeling, oh, man, the sifting like wheat, the Satan stuff, now the falling asleep. What is Jesus going to think? So anyway, we kind of had to put that one behind me. You know, we'll get him next time, you know. You know next time, next thing that comes along, I'll really show my involvement. So anyway, we start to leave the garden. And a number of us were thinking, hey, where did Judas go? See, all of us were in the upper room. And we saw him leave early, but we thought he was just going to get something. Is that guy got to? Anyway, we come down and we see a group of soldiers approaching. 
And I said, Jesus, come to us. No one else around. And who do I see at the front? Judas. See, let me tell you something about Judas. I've always had a suspicion about this guy. You see, I made sure everyone knew how much I love Jesus. See, I put all the things out there. Hands raised, you know, speaking loudly. Jesus is the Messiah, don't you know? You know, really making sure everyone knows how involved I am, that my faithful devotion is better than everyone else's. But Judas, he didn't really say much. He was quite a quiet guy. He wasn't very expressive. And so I've always been suspicious. See, if you believe something and you don't outwardly show it all the time, there must be something wrong there. So I've, I've always had a suspicion about this guy. So when I see him there with the soldiers, well, of course, it's going to be Judas, not me, who betrays the Lord. So he comes over, and he comes up to Jesus, and he kisses him. And the soldiers become armed. This one guy gets his sword out, and I think, now's my shot. I fell asleep, but guess what? Whoosh, pull my sword out, whack it, cut off this guy's ear. Jesus, you see that? You see that? Huh? I'm going to fight for you. I would die for you. To which point Jesus, does he look at me and he go, well done, Peter. I knew I could rely on you. No, he didn't. Uh, he did this other thing. Um, when I was a kid, back in Galilee, I remember every now and again we'd be out in public, we'd be at a party, and I would like, you know, like knock over a water jar that had something like 60 liters of water in and smash it. And my mum would kind of go, <laughs> and lock eyes on me, and she didn't need to say anything else because I already knew how much trouble I was in. It's been a long time since I've seen one of those faces. But as I cut off this guy's ear with, with a, you know, a, a bird in the mouth of a dog who's so happy to show his master, you see Jesus, see what I did? <laughs> Jesus gives me the look. And again, I feel so stupid. What on earth do you think you're doing? says Jesus. And then he actually goes back and he undoes all my nice work and he healed the guy's ear. Still got blood on my sword, you know. Doesn't clean that off. And I just, I'm now thinking, have I missed the point? See, you've been talking about going to Jerusalem. You've been talking about being the Messiah. We've just had this very kind of anticipatory Passover together, and now you're letting yourself be arrested. And when I try and defend you, you stop me. What on earth is going on here, Jesus? And Jesus doesn't say a word. He just goes with these soldiers. Now, I'm feeling two things very strongly here. I'm feeling like my hatred for Judas has always been justified, and now it's even bigger than it's ever been before. How dare this guy betray our Lord? But I'm also feeling a real sense of despair and confusion because we thought this guy was the Messiah. And now soldiers are taking him away. There must be more. There must be something going on here. And so I kind of, you know, I follow, keep at a distance. I eventually get to a place where I can just kind of uh, peep in. And it's quite a cold night at this point. And thankfully there's this fire here. So I can kind of keep warm by the fire, but also just kind of peek in and see what's going on in there. And now, see, any opportunity I have to prove myself, you know, I, I tried in the garden, fell asleep. I tried with the guards, got told off. So now, in his hour of need, this is my opportunity to really kind of do something for Jesus. So I'm keeping my eye in the, you know, see what's going on, see if at any point I can come in. You know, I object or something like that. 
And so I'm sat there, and then the servant girl comes up to me. She's nothing special, but and, it's, and she comes in. She's like, "Aren't you one of the guys who's with this guy? Aren't you one of the Galileans?" Uh, no, no, I'm not. Go away. Okay. And then a bit later, about an hour, another guy comes up to me. Excuse me, aren't aren't you with this guy? No, no, I'm not. Go away. And then a few minutes later, someone else, a third person. You're definitely one of them. You're definitely with this guy. I am not with this guy. Can you leave me alone? See, then I heard something. See, back when we were having the Passover together, when I was busy thinking about how Satan must think I'm a big deal. Back when I was thinking about how I didn't really need Jesus' prayers, I kind of zoned out a bit, but I realized Jesus was saying to me, by the time you hear the cock crow three times tonight, you will have betrayed me. I think probably because I, I thought it was so unlikely that I didn't really think it was worth paying attention to, but I'm sat there, and I hear this person saying, aren't you with him? And I say, no, I'm absolutely not. And suddenly I hear it, cock crowing three times. How could Judas betray our Lord have been going through my head? How on earth could he do that? And now here I am in his hour of need, in the point where he needs me, in the point where guards are spitting on him, when people are tearing his clothes, when he's about to be whipped, and I have just betrayed him. I have turned my back on him. I have denounced him. I failed. All this talk, all this expression, all these things I've been doing, when the crunch came, it was meaningless. It did nothing. I'm just as good as Judas. And I, I, I sat there just, I was not even able to process what I'd just done. And to make it even worse, that little gap that I had into the trial scene, I could see Jesus just at that point that I'd realized what I'd done and I felt the hairs raise on the back of my head, Jesus himself turned and looked at me, and it was just like he knew. It wasn't the look that my mother gave me when I was a kid. It wasn't the look he'd given me when I cut off that man's ear. It was just Jesus looking at me. And I knew who he was and what I'd done. And I left that place, and I wept, and I wept. I couldn't bear To live with that reality. And they took him and they beat him and they whipped him and they crucified him. And where was I? I'm just as good as Judas. We both betrayed him for our own comfort. I thought that was the end of the story. I thought that was it. I turned my back on my friend and he was murdered. But something 
big happened. Something enormous happened. Something happened, which if I tell you it happened, you probably won't believe me because you've probably never experienced it and probably never will. And I'll be honest, it doesn't happen very often in our world either. See, Jesus, the one who got crucified, the one who got killed, the one who got horribly cut and scarred and bruised and all these things, he was buried, he was dead. The Romans did it. So we knew he was dead. Three days later, he came and appeared to us. And he was alive again. Me and John, we went to the tomb. We, we went inside and we saw the grave clothes were still there. The stone was rolled away. It was empty. And I have to be honest, I wasn't super keen to see him again. I was so glad to know he was alive. But I'm not sure if I wanted to see him because I didn't know what he was going to say to me. Depart from me. I never knew you. I heard him once say that. Was he going to say that to me? But at the same time, this excitement that I had in myself was overwhelming and overflowing because Jesus was alive. So what was I going to do? Anyway, he came and he left. And so I didn't really think I'd have much of an opportunity to chat to him anyway. Where was he gone? I don't know. But then this morning, just today, me and some of my friends, we've been out on the boat. And we've been fishing. And we've been trying and trying and trying, and there was nothing. And this reminded me about of a, a day about three years ago where I, I was also out on the boat fishing, and we're catching nothing and nothing and nothing. And Jesus, who I didn't know, just some guy who I'd heard about, called out to me and told me to throw my nets down one more time. And I did, and there was this miraculous catch, and that was when he called me to follow him. And so we were there catching fish, getting nothing, getting nothing. And I was thinking, this is like when I first met Jesus, when suddenly I hear a voice. Throw your nets down one more time. Who could it be? We couldn't really see who it was. They were far off, but we, we did it one more time. And sure enough, once again, we had this enormous catch of fish, and I didn't know what I was going to do. The boat couldn't get to the shore quick enough, so I just jumped off, and I swam, and I swam, and I swam, and I got to him, and I just put my arms around him, because even though I thought he was going to reject me, I couldn't bear to be apart from him. And we came, and he'd already made this nice fire. And we cooked some of our fish on the fire, and I, I didn't really know how to deal with it, because, you know, the rebuke's coming any minute now, so I, maybe I should just slink away now. And then he, he takes me for a walk, and he says, Peter, do you love me? I'm so glad as that was what he said. Because I could just say, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But then he said, Peter, do you love me? And at that point, I'm thinking, okay, I, I know where this is going. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes, Lord, I, I do love you. And I'm thinking in my head, how am I going to formulate this? The, sit the, the situation at the time was such that the... The circumstances were, uh, I thought I'd do more good if I denied you and then did a rescue mission later on. No. So I'm trying to think of what to say. I do love you, but... And he just says again, Peter, do you love me? And I forgot the story and I just said, Lord, you know I love you. And he told me 
feed my sheep. Wait. So I'm back in. You still want me to do something? You're still trusting me with something? Are we going to talk about the whole betrayal? No? Okay. Just feed my sheep. I could do that. And suddenly it was like all the pieces of the jigsaw just came together. And I realized where I'd gone wrong. See, for the last few years, I thought it was all about my faithful devotion. It was all about me proving to Jesus how involved I was to him. And where did that get me? That got me denying him three times more than Judas did. What I'm just realizing is that his faithful devotion to me is significantly more powerful. Where did that get me? Feed my sheep. And, and all those times that I looked at Judas and I thought, I'm the real deal. I'm the one who's making it obvious. I'm the one who's got my arms up. I'm the one who's showing everyone else around I'm in. Where did that get me? We were so different in the way that we showed our devotion for Jesus. He was always quiet about it. I was always loud about it. And yet we both ended up betraying him. Where did that get me? And the other side of the story is, we don't exactly know what's happened, but we've heard rumors, we've heard things, and let's just say I don't think Judas is going to be talking to Jesus anytime soon. But you know what? I remember as a boy in the synagogue hearing the words of the prophet Joel, where he says that even now, at this point, as far as you've gone, the Lord is always going to forgive if you just repent. And I heard that, and I knew that, and if someone said to me about, you're the God of Israel, what kind of God is he? Does he forgive if you repent? I probably would have been able to say, yeah, yeah, I mean, Joel says so, but that's not just something I've read in Joel anymore. That's something that has actually happened to me, that's actually come home for me. See, I had betrayed him, and he turned and forgave me. There was no curse. There was no depart from me. There was a commission to serve him and love him. And our friend Judas, he cut himself off from that opportunity. He decided not to come and seek forgiveness from Jesus. He decided to stay away. He decided that he was too bad to be forgiven. And I wish I could tell him, that's not true. I can tell you that's not true. And so I sit here by the fire, just thinking all these things over. Jesus is now off chatting with John. And I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to tell you guys my story. But can I just beg you, please don't make my mistake. 
I, I think you guys have probably all heard about Jesus. If you're here, you're probably here to see him. Can I just say, he is far more faithful to you than you will ever be to him. Can I remind you not to be like my friend Judas, the one who turned and kept turning. I don't know why Jesus decided to forgive me, but if he'd forgive me, he'll forgive you. You are not too far from him. We both betrayed him. We both turned from him. But our response to him afterwards led to very different conclusions. Do you mind if I pray with you? Our God and Father, I thank you for my friend Jesus. I thank you for the one who has called me by name. For the one who has forgiven my sins. For the one who has embraced me and made me his own. Lord, I pray that we would never fall into the trap of thinking that our devotion, our faithfulness, our outward expressions, our whatever would be noticeable to you, would guarantee our success, would guarantee our security. When the crunch comes, it will not sustain us. Lord, I pray that you would teach all of us that it is your faithful devotion, your love for us, your embracing of us that keeps us firm. And commission us, we pray, to feed your sheep, to love you, to embrace you, to walk with you, to turn constantly back to you for forgiveness.